Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our worship here at Bulhelvy Church. We're going to begin our worship on this Palm Sunday in the words of the song, Hallelujah, my Father, for giving us your song. Let's worship God together. Let us pray. Loving God, gathering for worship today, we are like that crowd that lined the streets, witnessing your entrance into Jerusalem. Some of us gather here virtually full of enthusiasm. Some of us gather wearied by what life has thrown at us. Some of us have come out of curiosity, some of us out of habit. Some of us gather with expectation and others gather with no particular hopes. But it is here, O God, in these moments that you meet us. And if we will allow, it is here that you surprise us with your love and your grace. So open our heavy eyes and tired minds. Steal into our closed hearts and surprise us today with joy. Quell our unrealistic expectations of what this time can be, but open us to the possibility of hope and allow us to glimpse the goodness of your purpose for us. God, even when we cannot name it ourselves, you know what ails us. You are greater than our hearts and you know all things. You see the sin that we trail along behind us, the burdens of worry or fear that weigh us down, 
the harsh realities we deal with day in and day out which make us wonder if this is all just some form of escapism. We want a Messiah who will put things right and put them right now. Instead, we get one who promises to put us right so that whatever the circumstances, we can be strong and courageous and faithful in times of trial. God, we submit to your knowledge of us and we open ourselves to the need for your forgiveness, a forgiveness that comes freely and abundantly. So with cleansed hearts and open minds, we join in the cry, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And in his name we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 19, and reading verses 28 to 46. And Carol Winter is going to read for us. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you even knew had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. 
It's been over 20 years since I visited the Holy Land with some friends after graduating, but the memories of that trip are still as fresh as ever. Like every city, Jerusalem has evolved over time, but the experience of walking through the old city is still magical, losing yourself in the rabbit warren of these tight streets and discovering hidden treasures at every turn. I could easily have spent a year there if I was allowed to, just wandering around and soaking it all in. And this photograph is one of my favourites from that trip. Following in Jesus' footsteps, we walked through the Palestinian villages of Bethany and then Bethphage, and then onto the upper slopes of the Mount of Olives from where you get a great view over the city. Down the hill immediately in front of you is the Garden of Gethsemane, and across the valley is a great raised plaza which has like many places in Israel, two names. To the Arabs, it's the Haram Asharif, the site of the 7th century Dome of the Rock, which is the blue building with the golden roof in the middle of the picture. But to Jews, it will always be the Temple Mount, the ancient site where several incarnations of the Temple of God once stood, the last of which, the one that Jesus and his contemporaries would have known was destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. The temple was the focal point of Israel's national and spiritual life, its pride and its joy. Its design was said to mirror the very sanctuary of heaven. Annual feasts would bring thousands of pilgrims to the city every year for worship gathering in the temple courts for acts of worship on a scale like nothing you or I have ever known. It would really have been something to be there in the middle of it all. And yet when you look at Jesus' relationship with the temple, at least as it was in his day, at best, it's ambivalent. In some places we sense his reverence for what the temple stood for. The only story that we have of his childhood, apart from the birth narratives, is the one where he deliberately stays behind in the temple so that he can keep talking and debating with the scholars of the day. And when mum and dad finally track him down and ask him to explain himself, his answer carries an undertone of genuine surprise. Didn't you know I would have to be in my father's house? In his adult years, he would come up to Jerusalem for the great festivals and preach in the temple, much to the delight of the crowds and much to the annoyance of the religious leaders who came to fear his power and his popularity. But all the while, he was critiquing the system too. When he spoke with the Samaritan woman at the well, she tried to draw him into a debate about religion because he seemed to know a bit too much about her personal life. We worship on this mountain, she said, but you Jews say we ought to worship in Jerusalem. To which he said, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will not worship the Father on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. In other words, in the days to come, it's not going to be about geography or buildings or places any longer. It's going to be about the spirit in which you worship. Walking around the temple, the disciples were in awe. And one of them said, look, teacher, what magnificent stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, said Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And within 40 years, those prophetic words had come true. Why? Because Israel, God's chosen people, did not recognize the time of God's coming to them. He came to that which was his own, said John, and his own did not receive him. All places of worship are only ever a means to an end. That of helping people connect to God and return to the world determined to love God and serve him as we meet him in our neighbour. When our buildings don't help us do that, there's something badly wrong in how we're using them. And that is the root cause of Jesus' anger in this morning's Palm Sunday readings. I've shown you before that the Jerusalem temple was a wee bit like an onion with a series of courtyards which became progressively more and more exclusive as you got towards the centre. Non-Jews were screened out first. They were limited to the court of the Gentiles. The next court was as far as women could go. Beyond that was the court of Israel where only the men could go but no further unless they were priests. Priests were allowed to enter the open space containing the altar immediately in front of the sanctuary. And within the sanctuary, there was only one person who could enter that sacred space that was called the Holy of Holies. It was the man who'd been elected the high priest for that year. And once, just once, during his term of office on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would pass through the curtain into the Holy of Holies as part of the elaborate ritual which cleansed Israel from its sins. But for the rest of that year, the curtain barred the way into God's presence. Now, that kind of stratification is a long way from a gospel that tells us that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. But for now, let's notice this one thing. Whatever our scruples might be, about the way that these courts were divided. There was a place for everyone in the house of God. Even curious non-Jews were able to approach and enter the outer confines of the temple, which is exactly how it should have been. Because God had lifted Israel up and God had ordered the construction of the temple for a purpose. 
so that through Israel's life, all nations might come to know him. But now as Jesus realised, Israel and the temple had become turned in on themselves. As though God's interest in the world started and finished with them. And the court of the Gentiles, this peaceful, reverent place set aside for curious non-Jews, was filled with traders hawking animals for sacrifice at inflated prices. And worse still, you could only buy the animals with temple coinage, which allowed the traders to screw another few denarii out of you. That's what was in Jesus' mind as he hurled the tables over and drove the animals out of the courtyard, quoting Isaiah as he went, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The needs of the outsiders had been completely crowded out by the needs and the interests of the insiders. And it was this arrogance, this misunderstanding of their role as God's people that Jesus was furious at because Israel had been chosen not for privilege but for service. Their job was to open the way to God for others, not close the door in their faces. And that struggle that we see acted out, not just on Palm Sunday or Holy Week, but throughout the life of Jesus, is the struggle between being open and being closed. Being open to God, open to the other, open to newness and possibilities, new ways of thinking, or being closed. Having a closed mind that thinks it's got everything cut and dried, being closed off to others, Emotionally or spiritually, having closed doors when it comes to hospitality of heart or of home. It's the question that's always before us. Are we going to risk being open? Or do we prefer the sterile safeness of being closed? As followers of Jesus, those issues find us in the course of every single day in life. A youth worker in a city centre parish begins to engage with some of the difficult teenagers who've been vandalising the church that she works in. Over time she earns their trust and respect. They begin to open up about why they're so bored. They would love a place to do some fitness training to help them in sport, but there's no local leisure centre. The church has plenty of hall space inside. But these are the kids who've been throwing stones at the church for months. The minister and the congregation have a tough decision to make. Are they going to be open or closed to these young people? A husband and wife aren't getting on. They 
have problems that they need to sort out. It will be painful. They could try and pretend the issues don't exist or they could take their courage in their hands and seek help. But it's humbling having to admit that you haven't got it all sorted out. Are they going to be open to the possibility of counselling to save their marriage? Or are they going to be closed to that idea? Because it might expose them and it might hurt too much. That person is getting under your skin again. You know that person. You have some history with them. Deep down you want to engineer things so that you meet as little as possible, but you suspect that God wants more from you than that. How are you going to be with them? Are you going to be open to the possibility of newness, despite what has happened? Or are you just going to close down on them? Part of the call of God on our lives is the call to openness. Openness to the stranger who's yet to become a friend. Openness to the friend who through misunderstanding is in danger of becoming a stranger. Open to the situation where we are not fully in control and have to trust God that we're doing the right thing. Openness to our need to change and grow and not get stuck in the same old tired ways. Openness to God as the fundamental orientation of our lives. That kind of openness was one of the hallmarks of Jesus' life. The Jesus who touched lepers and working girls and Gentiles, who made the time to listen to the chatter of young children, who took people as he found them, regardless of who they were or where they came from. So much of his ministry and of ours flows from keeping that disposition of openness. And that's what I think we need to be reflecting on this Palm Sunday morning. Who is it that we need to be opening up to? Maybe it's God. Maybe we've made our minds up about God without ever looking into who he is with an open mind and an open heart. Some of life's knowing only really comes to those who actively look for it and as a general rule I think faith comes into that category knock and the door will be open to you Jesus says seek and you will find or maybe it's somebody that you live with or work with that you need to be open to you've settled into ways of relating where everything is managed and orderly and polite but never gets to much depth no one ever asks the questions that might open up a deeper conversation and take things to a new level. Could you be that person? Or maybe it's the stranger or the new person trying to put a brave face on but willing someone to make the first move and to show some kindness. 
Could you be the one to do that? Part of our call as friends of Jesus is to reflect God's openness to the world. Every time you take a step of faith and risk openness, you're making a doorway through which blessing can enter the world. And you're honouring the God who makes all things new. So I'd encourage you to spend some time thinking over that as we finish up this morning. How might God be calling you to be more open in the days that lie ahead? Who might he want you to be more open with? We're not yet at Good Friday. But at the end of Matthew and Mark's Gospels, they tell us that as Jesus breathed his last, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Torn in two, not from below, but from above. All 60 feet of it, billowing in the breeze and exposing the Holy of Holies to the sunlight that it hadn't known for generations. And the priests of Israel stood by, mouths agape, at this sudden, shocking openness of God. William Anderson is now going to lead us in our prayers for others. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for not only being our creator, but also for your great love for us. When we didn't deserve it, you sent your only son, Jesus, to be our saviour, to be our sacrificial lamb to once and for all pay the price of our sins. Father, when we were unfaithful to you, you remained faithful to us. We know that you hate sin, and today we have heard how Christ, the supreme sacrifice, did not stand idly by while the sacrificial system instituted in the time of the Old Testament was abused in your very house, the temple for monetary gain. Help us to learn from this. Help us to be worthy examples for you, for we cannot do it in our own strength. Help us to have a concern for others that leads to action. Help us not to be like the priest and the Levite and pass by on the other side. Open our eyes to see how we can reach out to others in your name and help us to do so. We bring before you all who are going through illness today. We especially think of those who are well known to us. We pray for those undergoing treatment and we pray for a good outcome. We also pray for the families who are going through heartache at present with their loved ones being critically ill and we pray for those recovering from the shock of bad news. We pray for all who are sad lonely, depressed or just feeling low. 
Let your light shine upon them and let them know the warmth of your love. We pray too for those recovering from illness. We thank you for the recovery and we pray they will be restored to full health and strength. We pray too for those who are finding their jobs disappearing and those who are at their wits end. We pray for our country, our Queen and her government. Guide in all that is decided and done. Let the vaccines be effective and available to all. We pray for our church and congregation. Guide and prosper all that is done in your name and in your will. We pray that your Son will be exalted in this place for all to see. Bless our witness and mission. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour. Amen. A closing hymn this morning is My Song is Love.
And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.